Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. So the word whatever is something that we talk about, that we use in our society all the time, but it it tends to be this word of indifference, right? Idea of like, okay, whatever, man, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to, I don't want to hear about this anymore. I don't want to argue about it. So we say the word whatever to kind of get out of an argument, but we're actually exploring what the word means in its literal sense, which is particularly whatever you see or whatever you do, it could be meaning all things. So like choose from whatever's in this pile, but it's also whatever you do, make sure you do this. So it's like, no matter what, this is important. And so we're exploring the word whatever, and we're actually looking in the passages of Scripture where the word whatever is used. 172 different verses have the word whatever in it. And so usually what happens is, is that throughout Scripture, there are moments where the passages are summarized. And here's what I'm saying is that oftentimes in our Christian faith, it's very easy for us to feel overwhelmed because we look at Scripture And many of us don't feel like we've been trained to read Scripture. We don't really know how to read it. Or sometimes we read it and we're not sure exactly what it's saying. It can be difficult to break it all down or to figure out how to apply it to our lives. Sometimes it seems like we're just a lot of information is thrown at us. And so we're looking for these moments where how do I know if I'm on track? How do I know if if I'm following Jesus in the way that the Scriptures indicate? How do I know that? Well, fortunately, in Scripture, there are several summary passages where it seems as though a lot of things that we're talking about are wrapped up in these summary whatever passages. And so that's what we're doing in this series is we're talking about three of those passages that help us focus on what's most important. And those three things are whatever you think, whatever you say, and whatever you do. Now, last week, we began our series with whatever you think. And the big idea of that message that Scripture taught us was that you are whatever you think. So Scripture teaches that our thoughts are the place where our identity lives, that, that we are defined in a lot of ways by what we think. So it says you are whatever you think. But at the same time, Scripture also teaches us that we, are, we have control over the things that we think. We're not just slaves to our minds, but in fact, we actually are told and instructed to change the way we think so that we can think about different things and become different people. In fact, we're even given instruction in Philippians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul talked about the types of things that we should be thinking about. Things like truth, things about honor, things about peace, and things that are pure, things that are good and just and right. You know, if we're focusing on those things, we'll begin to rewrite the thought patterns and processes of our mind, and then we'll begin to see the things that we say and the things that we do as being different. And from that place, Scripture says that we will have a much clearer picture of what God is saying and doing, and we'll be able to join him in it. That's that secret, that sort of unlocking of Romans 12.2, right? Where it says, it says in Romans 12.1, it says to offer your bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord, holy and pleasing. And then it goes into verse 2. It says, renew your mind. Don't be conformed to the world, but renew your mind. And then it says, and then you will be able to know the will of God. And most of us are like, I want to know what God's saying to me. I want to know what's right. I want to know what the right decisions are. And the problem is that Scripture is indicating is that, the, that our mind is clouded by, is clogged up with all of the negative thinking or with fear and with doubt and all of those things we talked about last week, those things that do not come from God. And he's saying, clean it out, right? Clean it out and then you'll be able to see what God is doing and join him in it. Now this week, This week, we're going to go to the next summary statement, and that is whatever you say. 
whatever you say. And we're asking this question. This is kind of the central question we're asking today. If we are whatever we think, well, then does it matter what I say? If we are whatever we think, does it matter what we say? And I would guess that most of us in the room today would say, we already kind of know the answer to that, but we're going to really dive into that a little bit today. But before we do, I want to kind of tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a pretty em- emotional person. Most of you who have come in contact with me know that, that I have a lot of uh, passion about things. I get excited about things. But part of that is, is that I can oftentimes get myself in trouble with my words. Um, whether or not I say the wrong thing or sometimes it's just choosing to speak at all. Um, sometimes what I'll do is uh, I will speak too soon. Or, or sometimes I get myself into trouble because maybe I start talking, but I'm not really fully sure what I think about a subject yet. And so I end up getting myself in trouble um, because I get emotionally involved in a conversation or, or whatever it might be. And I cannot tell you how many times I've had to remove my own foot from my mouth because I oftentimes get myself into trouble with the things that I say because I get emotionally involved or I get excited or I speak before I think clearly and those kinds of things. I don't know. Is anybody else in the room like that? You don't have to raise your hand because that's all right. I'll be the only one in the room feeling like that. But here's the thing. There is this verse in Scripture in the book of James that has really been speaking to me all throughout my life, and I have by no means mastered it, but I'm really working on it. And I think it's a great place for us to get started. And here's what I would say to you, though. The reason that this verse is so important to me, and I think for us, is because any time I have actually applied this verse, things have gone a lot smoother for me. But when I don't, I find myself cleaning up messes from my words that they create. I find myself trying to heal wounds or patch up things and and going back and trying to fix things when I have not applied it. Now, what does it say? This is James chapter 1, verse 19. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And this is something I struggle with. As an emotional being, I have an opinion right away. Someone could tell me, man, I love that restaurant. And I would be like, yes, I know, I love that. Or if someone says to me, man, I think Metallica is the worst band in the world. You better believe fighting words come out of my mouth immediately before I even, you know, and and sometimes I don't think about it. Or in a more of a a, a serious tone, there are moments where my thoughts pop up and I'm not thinking about if I say this the certain way, how is it going to come out to the person I'm talking to? Will this be offensive to them? Will this be difficult for them to hear? Maybe they'll hear it differently. And I think what James is getting at here is that our words do seem to matter. But here's the question that I want to ask is, in addition to if we are what we think, then what do our words matter? Another question I would say is, why is it that our words are so powerful? Why is it that James had to take the time to say, be quick to listen and slow to speak? Why? You know, the Bible makes a clear connection between our thoughts and our words, but what is it about our words and the things that we say that are so powerful? If we are what we think, then why does the Bible talk so much about words? Why do our words matter so much? Why do they get us into trouble so easily? And on the flip side of that, why is it that Jesus seems to indicate that we should use our words often? If our words get us into trouble, and so much of Scripture is about being careful with our words, why is it that Jesus seems to indicate that our words are actually useful tools in our hands? I think that's something we need to dive into here. Well, what does the Bible have to say about our words and whatever we say? So we're going to dig into a little bit of Scripture. I think we have four passages of Scripture that we're going to get some points from. So if you're taking notes, go ahead, get ready, because we're going to have some things to say here. Whatever we say. Remember that question. If we are whatever we think... 
Do our words matter? Well, let's see what Scripture says. We're going to open right now in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18, it comes from the Old Testament. If you don't have a Bible, we have free ones here for you. I would encourage you to bring a Bible with you. We have them down here in the front and also at our Connection Center. Please make sure you don't leave without a Bible. Everything that we preach on comes from this book. This is the Word of God. We believe it. We believe this is inspired by Him and everything. The keys to life are found in this book. Proverbs 18. Proverbs is a book that was written by Solomon, and it's a collection of wise sayings. And when you apply them to your life, you find that life goes a lot better. Well, what does he have to say about words? Proverbs chapter 18, verse verse 20 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So what's the first thing that we can learn about our words? Do our words matter? Well, the Bible says that what you have What you have to say has the power to create or destroy. The Bible makes it clear that what you say has the power to create or to destroy. Have you ever heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but? That's a lie. It's literally a lie. This is something that we tell our children. This is something that I was told as a kid. You know, like when you get bullied on the playground, you know, and you're told, Don't worry, they can't hurt you with your words. It's a lie. Do you know why it's a lie? Because how many of us have heard an encouraging word, whether as a child or even as an adult, that has stuck with us and has lifted us up and has driven us and pushed us to good things? How many of us have experienced someone that said something in your life that you have held on to? Or conversely, how many of us remember something that someone said to us, a cutting remark that someone said, even when we were kids, And someone would tell you, and today you still believe that about yourself, where you you still feel like, you know what, they were right when I was seven years old and that kid said this to me. Or maybe it was an adult, maybe it was recently, maybe it was even this week. Our words matter. And Scripture says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, what we have to say has the power to create or it has the power to destroy. We can either lift people up and encourage them and bring life to them, or our mouth, our words, have the ability to tear people down and break. And I think we're kidding ourselves if we, if, we don't, if we think that the things that we have to say don't matter. I mean, we can pretend that we can build a wall up around ourselves and, and you know, act like it doesn't hurt us, but when we're alone and when we're private, we remember the things that have been said to us. And sometimes the words that have been spoken to us in goodness, in encouragement, have been things that I've held on to in the darkest of my times. Words are matter. They are so important. They are so extremely powerful. So the first thing we learn about words and whether they matter is what you have to say has power to create or to destroy. What does Jesus have to say? Well, let's turn to Matthew. Let's go into the New Testament. Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37. Jesus says, I tell you, that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, or by your words you will be condemned. This is interesting, because Jesus seems to be indicating to us that the things that we say, that at some point we will be kind of read back, or we will be, uh, there will be a list of them, that we will be held accountable for the things that we say. Now this, this is interesting. I don't know exactly what that means. I don't exactly know. Scripture doesn't seem to indicate to us the method that it will take place or, or what will happen on one side or the other. It's sort of using this idea of a, of a courtroom. You'll be acquitted or you'll be judged by it. We don't know exactly what that means. But what is clear is that Jesus is saying that the things that we say 
And remember what we just said, the keys to the mouth are either death or life. The power of the tongue is building or destroying. So we are held accountable for the things that we say. And he even said careless things. I think this is very, very uh, timely for us, particularly in our modern society. We use words like they don't matter. And sometimes we, again, buy into this lie, this idea that the things that we say don't really matter to people. We don't think before we speak and we just kind of give things. Sometimes we make commitments and then we break them without even thinking about it. And that hurts people's feelings or it breaks trust and it has ramifications. What Jesus is saying, I believe, is that every word that we speak has some level of ramification to it. I don't think that he's necessarily up there saying like he's got a tally of of everything. Oh, you said that flippantly. Oh, you said that seriously. I don't think that's what he's getting at. But what I see in scripture is that he's trying to teach us that our words do matter, that the things that we say have power. If we believe in Proverbs and what it says that that the tongue has the power of life and death, and that now we see from Jesus that we're held accountable, that we will be held accountable, that one day he will say, why did you say that? And look at the effect that it had on someone. I think a lot about that now. As I read this scripture, it makes me think about the things that I say to my son, about the things that I say to my daughter, the things that I've said to my wife or my family members or a coworker or a board member or a staff member or anyone in church. Sometimes I say things that are encouraging. I try to be encouraging. I try to be lifting up. But there are times, as I mentioned in the beginning, that I struggle with maybe I didn't know what to say Or maybe I said the wrong thing or I lost control of myself in moments. I I can't believe I'm the only one in the room who has ever struggled with saying the wrong thing. But this scripture now puts it in my mind. And I don't, I I just think that it's not about judgment. It's It's about being responsible. And now that I know that I should be responsible and then I couple that with James in the beginning, this is, he says, please understand this. Be quick to listen slow to speak, slow to become angry. I have to now build a check into my heart to just tell myself routinely, I'm not going to say anything right now. Because most likely the first thing that I say will be rooted in emotion, not in, not in wisdom, not in life, you know, not in any of those places. I need to be quick to listen and slow to speak so that I can be responsible, so that my son doesn't grow up thinking that his father, you know, thinks differently of him than I really do, or that my wife doesn't doubt that perhaps I, I don't know what it might be, whatever the circumstances are. I don't want anyone ever to look at me, and I'm sure that you don't want anyone to ever look at you as though that one thing that you said is what has defined you, but we know that the power of words are that sometimes we remember what people have said to us so clearly that it colors the way that we see them in general. I remember things that my mom has said or my dad said to me. That's who we are as people. That's the power of words. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. That's what scripture as a whole is trying to say to us, that even though we are what we think, our words come from our thoughts. And that's the next thing that Jesus is going to say to us. We are responsible and accountable for what we say. But now let's go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6 verse 45. And this is what Jesus says again. He says, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in their heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. And listen, here's the key. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down because this is the big idea. This is everything that this message hinges on is right here. 
is that whatever you say, Jesus says, reflects what you believe. Whatever you say reflects what you believe. Because Jesus is indicating that the things that we speak come from the overflow of our heart. Now, yes, sometimes we can lie. Sometimes we put on a face, right? Sometimes we fake it. I don't really like this person, but I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. Nice to see you. Like, that's possible. But what Jesus is saying here is deeper. Have you ever noticed that, that at times, think about this. Here's an example of what, what I mean by what you say reflects what you really believe. There are times where you're either stressed out or you're frustrated, your emotions rise up and get the better of you. Maybe you've had a little too much to drink. There are times where you have said something that you didn't want to say, and it came out. People call it a Freudian slip, an idea of where your truest of emotions come out, and sometimes those things are what you didn't want other people to hear. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's when people that you would never consider to be racist or a discriminating type of an individual, sometimes they lose control of themselves and they say something that's in their heart, but they would never want to say out loud. What Jesus is getting at here is that the things that we say are often reflections of what is deeply inside of us. The way that we think about the the world, the way that we think about our situations. Let's bring it to a practical moment. What Jesus is saying here is that if I talk about my life and the things that I want in my life or the things that are happening in my life, Jesus is indicating that the way that I speak about that indicates what I believe about the situation. I'm a naturally pessimistic person. This is how I'm wired. I'm a realist in that sense. My parents, when I was born, as I was growing up, they got me a grumpy Care Bear. Yeah, that's me. They called me Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Like, I just have that sort of natural um, disposition that there's a cloud sometimes following me, and it's like raining all the time. This is, this is, this is how I am naturally wired, okay? And so how does applies is that when a situation comes up that's good and someone says, oh, that's really exciting, Jared, isn't it? My natural reaction is to speak out of my heart and say, yeah, I'm really excited. But if I'm honest, you know, I'm kind of worried that the shoe's about to drop, like the other shoe's about to fall. That's what I speak. I speak out of what's in my heart. And oftentimes in my heart is fear or doubt that something's going to fall apart, right? Or when people ask me, I remember this, and this is just me being honest as your pastor, and maybe hope, try to see what I'm saying in your particular circumstance here. In the early days of our church, people, I would go to a conference and I would talk to other pastors and I was so wrapped up in comparing myself to other pastors and what God was doing in their churches versus what was happening here. And people would say to me, oh, that's you know, great, your church is, is doing wonderfully. And I would be like, yeah, yeah, that's good. And then I couldn't help myself but to say things that were in my heart, which were frustrations about maybe the size of our church or, or, or you know, different aspects of whatever was happening. And I remember just looking back as I read this scripture and seeing that the words in my mouth are the overflow of my heart. I see it's so true. I would speak negativity about whatever's in my life because I believe negativity about that thing. And that's the true of us, whatever it is. We talk about our jobs and we talk about our marriages, whether we think that things are going to ever get better or not. In our heart, if we don't believe that anything is ever going to get better, we're going to speak that in our words. That's what Jesus teaches. Now, this is not one of those self-help moments. This is not something, because I know that there's the risk of it always sounding like, if I just think positive thoughts, then things will be positive. And that's not what I'm saying. But there does seem to be a connection that what Jesus is saying here is that, and you'll see why in a minute, why it's even more important. 
But what Jesus is saying is, one, that there is power. If there is power in our tongues to either build or to destroy, that the things that we say can build up, can create life, or they can destroy them, and if we are accountable for the things that we are to be said, and then on top of it, that the things that we're saying are reflections of our heart, then the words are extremely powerful. I want to read one last scripture for you that we're going to see this morning. Mark chapter 11, and it's going to come together right here. Verses 20 to 24. Before we read this, I want to tell you real quickly what happened. Prior to this passage, Jesus sees a fig tree and he's hungry. So he walks over to the tree and he sees leaves on it. So that indicates that, it's, that there would be fruit there because the leaves came with the figs. And he walks over to the tree and he sees that there are no figs on it. So he gets frustrated and he curses the tree. And we're like, why would you do that, Jesus? This seems like kind of harsh, right? but because he's about to teach something. So they leave and they go away and then they come back out of the city and it says in verse 20, in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter, his like one of his closest friends, his disciple, remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. So like he just remembered in passing that Jesus said something and cursed that tree And now the tree has withered up because Jesus told him, you will never bear fruit again. That's what Jesus said to the tree. And then Jesus responds in this very weird, sort of strange sentence. He goes, have faith in God. And I'm thinking to myself, Peter's like, well, I thought I did. Like, I don't understand, Jesus. Why? I just, look, look, Jesus, the thing that you said happened. And then then Peter says that and Jesus goes, yeah, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says this to the mountain... Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, this is one of those passages that oftentimes gets misused. This is one of those passages where the name it and claim it uh, kind of idea has come from, like where Jesus in other passages has said, whatever in my name, ask for it in my name, the Father will give it to you, right? It, they come up with this idea that if I just say, I want a million bucks, and I say it in Jesus' name, then suddenly a suitcase is going to arrive, and there's going to be a ton of money in it, you know, or you know what, I'm not going to speak sickness, I'm not going to say I'm going to have a cold, because if I say it, then that means it's true. Like, that's not what Jesus is saying here. But I do want to point out one important distinction. Let's just follow this along. The tongue has the power to create or to destroy. That's in Scripture. That's not Jared making that up. The things that we say can either create and bring life or they can tear down and destroy and our words matter. Not only that, we are also responsible for the things we say. And then on top of that, Jesus says that everything that we say in our mouth is a reflection of what's in our heart. But then... We read in this passage of Scripture where Jesus takes it a step further, and he says this. And this is what I believe the point to pull from this is this. Whatever you say in faith becomes the seed of reality. Whatever you say in faith becomes the seed of reality. Do not mistake what I'm saying to you. This is not name it and claim it. But Jesus is drawing a connection between the words that we speak, the ability of them to give life or to destroy, and it has some supernatural concept of when it is spoken with belief. Look at how many times he says it in Scripture. Have faith in God. 
And then he says, believe that what they say will happen. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Jesus is putting some undeniable links somehow, somewhere. I don't fully understand it because there have been times where I have prayed for things and I believed and I thought I believed in it. I said, okay, God, I think this is right. I'm praying for it. I believe it. In Jesus' name, you can make it happen. And it doesn't appear to grow. Why? Why? Well, here's the best that I can come up with and what I understand. Whatever you say in faith becomes the seed of reality. Sometimes seeds don't become flowers. Sometimes they don't grow. There is a passage of scripture that Jesus was talking about a parable where he said that there was a farmer walking through the path and he was throwing seed. And actually he threw it in four different types of soil and only one of them did it grow. The other three, the seed died. So we see that in Scripture. And then in the epistles, the Apostle Paul was writing letters to a bunch of churches. And at one point, the Apostle Paul said, listen, it's not about the seed. It's, you have no control over whether something does or does not happen. He says, if Paul plants and Apollos waters, but God is the one who makes it grow. Now, what is Jesus saying here to us? What am I supposed to do with that, Jesus? Because Peter was like overwhelmed with awesome sort of like this miraculous story that Jesus spoke something to a tree and it actually withered. And then he tells him, have faith in God. And he says, you can look at that mountain and speak to it and believe that it will do what you say and it will be done for you. And the last time I checked, I haven't seen anybody make a mountain jump into a river. Like I haven't seen that happen. But you know what I have seen happen? is I have seen the idea of praying and walking in faith and believing, and I have seen God answer prayer. So when we bring out a connection card and we say, hey, write down your prayer requests on here because we believe in prayer, I have seen people who have said, I don't know what's going to happen. I have a tumor in my brain or in someone's brain because like someone they're connected to, and we pray. And the doctors, I can't tell you how many times I hear the stories come back where the doctor says, I'm flabbergasted. You shouldn't be alive. Somehow it disappeared. Like these things happen. How? I don't know. Because of faith. Because you pray. Because you believe. What Jesus is saying that our words matter. Whatever you say in faith becomes the seed of reality. If we have the power in our words, then somehow there is a divine connection to it. And maybe this would make a little bit more sense. We ever see in the scriptures this idea of blessing and this idea of cursing. I'm not saying like I'm blessed because I've got money. That's the idea that it's a modern version of blessing, right? It's like, oh, I'm blessed because I've got a nice house. Like, no. In Scripture, individuals would, would before someone would leave or they would go somewhere or they would come into their house, they would speak life. They would speak blessing over that person. The same is true of cursing. We see it in the, in the Old Testament particularly, where an individual would, would say something, pronounce a negative thing over this individual. And in the Old Testament, it, it, it's weird. It almost seems like, like it's almost like magic. We didn't, there wasn't a word or a language for it. But I believe it is, it is connected to this passage in Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 11 that we just read. Here's what blessing is. A blessing in that sort of context in Scripture is speaking life in faith. At the end of services, sometimes I stand up here and I, I put my hands out. And that's just, it's just a symbol, right? And I say to you something that comes from my heart. And I believe it in faith that God will make it happen. Sometimes I say things like, I pray that God would bless you this week. 
that he would go with you, that, he would see, that you would see yourself as, 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 as protected, that he would show up in your finances, that he would speak to your heart. I say that in faith, believing, planting a seed there, that if God desires for it to grow, that in faith that that will happen. That's, that's, that's all we're, we're asked of. That's all we're required to do is to speak with faith that God can and will do things in his will. It doesn't mean I'm a magician. It doesn't mean you're a magician. It doesn't mean that you have any power to do other than just participate in what Jesus is saying. He says, whatever you say, whatever you're saying, recognize there's power in it. Recognize that you are accountable for it. Recognize that it reflects your heart. So check your heart. If you're speaking doubt, then that means that you doubt your circumstances. That probably means that you doubt God's ability or that his desire to do something in your life. If I'm always speaking these ways, then that's a reflection of where my heart is. And then, then, then the same thing is true. If a blessing is speaking life and faith, then what is a curse? speaking destruction in faith. And sometimes we say things to people either under our breath or in gossiping. And sometimes we don't necessarily say in faith, but our heart is connected. So if I say an insult to someone, I just wish that person would lose their job. Or I wish Tom Brady would break his legs. Or whatever people say, we're speaking a curse over that individual. Now, whether or not that comes true or not, I don't know. Again, seeds of reality, not fullness of reality. When my heart is connected in the depths of my soul, I can't tell you where it is. There is a vagueness about this. Jesus seemed to understand it a lot more than, than I do. But there is some clear connection that the things that are in our heart, when spoken with faith, belief, that or a deep desire of it, a welling up in our hearts, that what we want is what, this is the thing that we're shooting after, that it becomes the possibility of God taking it and making it something real. That's where the power comes. James 5 says, the tongue is like the rudder on a ship, steering the direction. Either we're speaking life and we're moving in the direction of wholeness and life and moving closer to what God has called us to, or even, even shaping the direction of lives of those around us, speaking life rather than destruction. So if my words reflect what I believe, what should I say? We're going to close here with this. Whatever you say, number one, speak life. Speak life. Choose to encourage. Choose to lift up. Choose to, to build instead of tear down. Speak life into people. Whatever you say, no matter what, think about what you're saying and speak life. Number two, speak faith. This is a heart issue. I recognize this is this is different for some of you, and even for me, I'm wrestling with it. How do, I, how, do I, how do I get across what I believe Jesus is saying here? Please understand me. Do not misunderstand me. I am not in any way saying that, 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 that I can control, that you can control every outcome. What Jesus is saying is he's asking us to participate, to have faith that God wants to. It reflects everything that we think about who God is. We either think that God is good, that he wants to answer our prayers, that he wants to, to, to work powerfully in our lives, and then we should try to use our words to speak into that place, even though we can't see it all the time, but I just know in my bones that, that God is going to do it. Or we believe the opposite. We believe that God might or might not. We don't know that he really cares. And that's something that we, each of us have to wrestle with. We have to find this space. But I would encourage you, don't let your society, don't let people, 
shape that thought process. Let this book shape your thought processes. Because God's word is very clear about what he thinks about us, about our circumstances. There are promises all throughout scripture that we should hold on to and begin to speak into this. That doesn't mean that we're, not, that we're going to never experience things that we don't want because that's the result of sin in our world. Things that are broken, we struggle with things, but God is still a good God who is above all of that. So we step and we walk in him knowing that he is in control, believing ultimately that he is in control. So speak life, but speak from a place of faith. And as a reminder, speak carefully. We're accountable to those things, to the things that we say. Try to make it right whenever you can. Jesus says that too. If you're praying at the altar and you remember that someone, you've done something wrong to someone, he says, get up, get away from the altar and go make it right. Like Jesus is making it very clear that the condition of our heart, the condition of our words, the things that we think, the things that we say, and next week, the things that we do ultimately matter very, very much. Speak carefully. And this is something I'm working on. So Proverbs 12, verse 18 kind of sums it all up. It says, there is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, like the thrusts, like it stabs you. There are some people who speak rashly. It, it hurts and it wounds, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I want my words, I want your words to be healing, to be like medicine, to be encouragement, to bring life, not to be one that brings wounds. And the psalmist David understood the power of words and he made it his prayer in Psalm 19 that his word would be pleasing to God. This is what he said in Psalm 19, 14. He says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's what he wanted. That's what I believe Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, make it our prayer that the things that we say, that whatever we say would be words of life, they would be carefully spoken, that they would be spoken from faith, not always thinking about, about problems and, and, and speaking negativity and pessimism. This is a huge challenge for me. But you know what I found? And we'll close with this. I have found that when I speak the negativity that's in my heart, oftentimes it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because we'll learn next week particularly, but our actions tend to follow our words. That's what Jesus was saying. That's what James is saying in James chapter 5, that our tongue is a rudder that shapes the direction. If I speak negativity, it seems to indicate that my actions will now follow. And then my, everything that I do sows the seed of negativity. And then, lo and behold, the situation turns out negatively the way that I thought it would. Because I sowed into the seed of that doubt. But more often than not, when I speak positive, when I speak in faith that God is in control, I have seen in my life so many times that as I walk unsure of what's going to happen, how it will work out, I have seen God's faithfulness and I have seen him show up and I try to walk in that. That's what he's saying is that your words are not enough. You speak it in faith and begin to walk and you'll see the fruit of how God begins to transform a circumstance that you once thought was dire or impossible and you see how God does bring it forward, how he does make it I have seen it so many times in my life. So God, what I want is may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be pleasing to you. Would you stand with me? Let's make that our prayer today. Let's link our thoughts. Let's link our hearts. Let's link our words together. I'm gonna just pray. And if this is your prayer, then you just pray it back out loud as, a, as one body together today. Say, Jesus, I choose you today. 
I choose to follow your example. I want my words to be pleasing to you. I want to speak life. I want to speak in faith. Help me to choose my words carefully. Let my words honor you. Let my words build others up. I choose you today. Amen. We're going to quickly move into our response moment. At the end of every one of our services, most often we have a moment where I believe it's very important, very powerful for us to take a moment personally, privately, individually to say, God, I hear of you. I've heard you speak to me today. And we've created some spaces for you to do that in a way that feels comfortable for you. We have a prayer wall right here in the front where you can take the pieces of paper and a pen and write whatever you feel in response to what the Lord has spoken to you today. It could be a question. It could be an answer. It could be a poem. It could be a word. Whatever you feel is in your heart that you just want to say back to the Lord. And I encourage you to do that and then put it on this wall right here. And this acts as like a, a sacred space, where, like a tangible place where God sees the cries of the people of his church. It's one family. We also have prayers that are actually already written for you. If maybe you say, I don't know what to say, but sometimes we can recite prayers that are already written and they're beautiful and just as powerful because we're speaking truth. So I encourage you to maybe take a moment and pick one of those prayers and say it out loud or even under your breath to you, with yourself there before God. On each of those tables is a questions box. If there's something that's, you know, you're not sure of what I said or you, you, you're not sure of what you think about what I said or, or maybe what scripture means about something or any other topic, please feel free. This is a way you could respond to write a question down. And I take those throughout the week and I think about them and I pray and I study to try to give you uh, the best understanding that I have on that topic. And I'll take some time and maybe the next service to do that. If you feel comfortable, please do. We also have a prayer partner. My wife, Heather, would love to pray with you. If maybe you just need a human being, someone tangibly to represent the hands of God, to just, to just be there physically with you. And she would love to just pray with you. It's confidential to say anything or say as much as you'd like. We also have our Bibles and our Learning to Follow Jesus books here. If you want to begin to deepen your walk with Jesus, take one of these books. It's a quick seven-day guide to beginning your journey or continuing your journey with Jesus. But let's take a moment. Jason's going to lead us in, in, a, in a song. We're going to sing a chorus together and, and just make this a moment where you say, God, I've heard you speak to me about my words, about my thoughts, about my heart, and then respond to him. Let's get out of our chairs. Let's do what God is calling us to do, and then we'll come and close together our service in just a moment. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.